This week in KMA Land, big push for Page County Pipeline Ordinance. Red Oak Council hires interim administrator. Southwest Iowa Families breaks ground on new facility. Shen Council inks development agreements. Shen Library reports circulation increase. And Montgomery County Board backs Villisca rezoning. I'm Mike Peterson. Page County is the latest arena in the debate over carbon sequestration projects. On Tuesday night, Marty Maher, a Mills County resident who owns land near Imogene in Page County, called on the county's Board of Supervisors to pass an ordinance regulating CO2 pipelines. The debate follows recent developments, including the passing of an ordinance in Shelby County and continued discussions in Montgomery County. Maher presented to the board circulated petitions urging the county to move swiftly with an ordinance that could regulate proposed carbon dioxide pipelines in the county. There's a combination of residents, landowners, and taxpayers. Mm -hmm. There's... uh, 47 signatures on there. Given the time span and how little effort was put into it, it seems to me that it shows fairly widespread support because those are pretty much all from the western half of Page County. Summit Carbon Solutions proposed Midwest Express CO2 pipeline would cut through roughly seven miles of western Page County to hook up with Green Plains Shenandoah in Fremont County. Plans call for the five-state project to capture CO2 at various ethanol plants and transport the liquid CO2 to underground storage facilities in North Dakota. However, Mayher says an ordinance would protect residents in the county regarding Summit's proposed carbon project and any hazardous pipeline moving forward. It protects the landowners, protects the rural and city residents, livestock, and county infrastructure. You've got a lot invested in this pipeline going through, too, as far as paved roads that it's crossing, gravel roads that will be tore up, rural water lines, fiber optic cable, and gosh knows what else is buried out in the roads in in this county that uh, they're going to encounter. During a recent meeting, representatives from Turnkey Logistics informed the board that 55% of the land had been secured through voluntary easements in Page County. However, Maher is somewhat concerned about his and others' experiences with the land agents, including unfamiliarity with the landscape and a lack of understanding of why the land, particularly farm ground, is significant to its landowners. The reason you don't just agree is because this is uh, land that's been in the family for years. We're not going to live here forever, but it's going to hopefully stay in the family. It's going to benefit the posterity. It's going to be here for a long time. So this is why people want to take care of it, and this is why people go to the extent that we do to save the soil and such. However, some counties have given pause to the idea of an ordinance after Summit filed a lawsuit against Shelby County shortly after approving their respective ordinance. But Mayor says Shelby County officials are confident in their ordinance. He cited Iowa Utilities Board Chair Jerry Huser at a Lynn County meeting Monday who said that counties should be looking at ways to best protect their residents. She said unequivocally that there is an outstanding question, a legal question, on the matter of the ordinances, and that in her personal opinion, it is the job of the supervisors to protect their residents and that they should move ahead with ordinances. She also specifically encouraged supervisors to intervene, not just file an objection, but intervene on behalf of their counties. Mayor says Allers and Cooney had worked with Shelby County to formulate their ordinance regarding carbon pipelines. 
Alvarez speaking with the state legislators, Mayher says there still isn't a consensus on how much land the IUB would require Summit to acquire through voluntary easements before granting a permit for the project. As of last month, Summit officials say they had acquired over 50% of the land project wide via voluntary easements. However, the IUB has not set final hearings for the project due to Summit still anticipating too much use of eminent domain. Red Oak has an interim city administrator in place. Meeting in regular session Monday night, the Red Oak City Council unanimously approved a professional service agreement with Alpha County Municipal Services and a resolution to utilize the agreement for the interim city clerk and city administrator positions. The approval followed the retirements of longtime city administrator Brad Wright and city clerk Mary Bolton last month and after city attorney Bree Sorensen assisted in adjusting the agreement to better fit the city's needs. Red Oak Mayor Shauna Silvius told KMA News the timing of the openings posed a great need for an interim solution while they conduct their job search. We're at budget time. This is extremely important time of year that we have some people in place that are able to work through this budget process. We also need to get all of our insurance renewals done. Um, Al comes very highly recommended from some really, really good people, administrators and mayors. Vacanti says he served as a city clerk and administrator in Nebraska for roughly 14 years in various communities before retiring in 2019 and creating his consultant business. The mayor says the agreement will run through March 2023, including three days of in-office work a week and a daily fee. It is $1,000 per day or $3,000 per week. We are um, paying his room uh, at, the, at the Red Coach Inn or up at the Red Coach Inn, and um, he will be covering his own meals. He'll cover his own mileage back and forth to his home and here. If we send him on any meetings or anything like that, he'll use a city vehicle um, and or pay, pay him mileage, which is the standard rate of mileage. Sylvia says the hope is to start the search process as soon as possible, with initial efforts primarily focused on filling the city clerk position before tackling the administrator role. Vacanti says he was humbled to be approached by the the city. He looks forward to taking on the responsibilities and assisting the city in getting through an essential time of the year, primarily due to budget preparations for the upcoming fiscal I'll year. I'll have some time to do some homework and I'll have some time to fortunately call on a couple of other people that I know in the state of Iowa that will give me maybe a crash course so that I can uh, be really functional in the next couple of weeks and start looking at it and making sure that I got my feet on solid ground so that I can help council and uh, the department heads move it forward. He believes his previous 20 years of experience serving as a lawyer will also assist him in adjusting to the Iowa Code and laws that differ from Nebraska. Additionally, the county says he already had a chance Monday night to get to know a few department heads to begin laying the groundwork for his working relationships. Construction is officially underway on a Clarendon nonprofit agency's new $3 million facility. Staff, administrators, and board members of Southwest Iowa families, along with Clarenda officials, broke ground Wednesday afternoon at 117 West Main Street in downtown Clarenda. The site of the agency's proposed 9,000-square-foot Lakin Foundation Child and Family Center. Bernie Wagoner is the clinic's director. Wagoner told KMA News it was a surreal experience to finally see the dirt work for the new building. I've been driving by this corner when I go to the post office almost every week, and I've always thought those two old houses there are kind of an eyesore. And it would really be nice if somebody would decide to do something and get rid of those houses. We didn't dream that at some point in time we'd be the people that would be 
demoing that. I'm putting a brand new building here. The 501c3 nonprofit pursued the new facility after its service and staffing needs outgrew its current building at 215 East Washington Street. Agency Director Sandy Gear says the new facility offers an expansion in both current offerings and allows for future additions. So we're still going to have our outpatient therapy and mental health and counseling. We're going to have the zero to five prevention programs that we already are serving. We've got a couple new services that we'll be able to offer in the new facility that will be coming up. So we'll be expanding some services that we already have in place is the biggest thing. Wagoner says funding for the project has come from various sources, including personal donations and several other organizations in Clarinda and Shenandoah. However, one of the more significant contributors was the Charles E. Lakin Foundation, which awarded the nonprofit a substantial grant. We um, approached them first of all, and then they set up an interview process with us to find out, um, you know, what what we were all about, who we were as an agency, what we do to serve the community. And then they announced after that that they had awarded us a grant. And one of the contingencies of that grant is that we we name the facility after Mr. Lakin. Geras says the Lakin Foundation contributed over $1 million to the project, and Wagoner added the name is fitting since Charles Lakin himself had always expressed an interest in supporting human services in the region. Numerous foundations awarded funding for the project, which also received a community development block grant facilitated through the city of Clarinda. Those wishing to still donate to the project can do so by mailing checks to the nonprofit's current location, 215 East Washington Street, Clarinda, Iowa, 51632. Shenandoah City Council Tuesday night demonstrated support for some major undertakings in the community. By unanimous vote, the council approved development agreements for four projects, including North Star Housing's LLC Shenandoah Senior Villas apartment complex, the proposed 40-unit structure for residents age 55 and older, demolition of an old gas station at the complex's future site at 1401 West Sheridan Avenue took place earlier this week. In an interview with KMA News, North Star Housing Principal Andrew Danner thanked the city, Ski Executive Vice President Greg Connell, and Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen for their support. We're excited to start and finish our first project here in uh, the state of Iowa and look forward to getting this open for the seniors in the community to hopefully open up some other households uh, for some families to move in behind them. Uh, we think uh, the city of Shenandoah has done a great job in growing their community and getting lots of jobs and making this an attractive place to bring investment to. Development agreements were also approved for Community First Credit Union's facility at 603 South Fremont Street. Green Plains Incorporated's proposed bio campus expansion in including its $50 million clean sugar facility, and Melosia LLC, the company spearheading the renovation to the former Johnson Brothers Mill building. In a related note, the council approved an amendment to the city's urban renewal plan, annexing the Shenandoah Senior Villas and Community First projects into city limits. Shenandoah Public Library continues to make strides in the post-COVID recovery. At its regular meeting Tuesday evening, the Shenandoah City Council approved the library's annual report for the 2021-22 fiscal year. Library Director Kerry Falk's report indicates total circulation, including digital materials, was up from more than 47,000 in 2021 to more than 60,000 this year. Moreover, the number of visitors grew from more than 27,000 last year to more than 42,000 this year. 
Falk says more people are returning to the library. We had a over 50% increase in people through the door of the library, which means we averaged around 140 people a day in our building using the library for all kinds of things. So it was very nice to see the increase. And at a time when public and school libraries are under fire nationwide because of materials, Falk says Shenandoah's library continues to enjoy strong support from the city. Any year when libraries have had very difficult relationships with their cities and their communities, I want to say thank you. Our library, I think, has a wonderful relationship with our community. It's very supportive, and we are thankful for that, and we are also thankful for the support of the city and the other departments. Falk also lauded the library staff for their efforts, as well as the facility's volunteers. She says 71 volunteers logged 674 hours in fiscal 22. Well, questions regarding a proposed rezoning dominated Tuesday morning's Montgomery County Board of Supervisors meeting. By unanimous vote, the supervisors approved an ordinance amending the county's zoning map. The amendment covers the rezoning of property at 2663 U Avenue in Villisca from R Residential to C Commercial. Joshua Kendrick requested the rezoning in order to place a storage structure at that location. Board members approved the amendment with two stipulations. One entails the installation of privacy screening along a fence next to a neighboring property. During a public hearing, Larry Abraham, who lives near the proposed storage structure, questioned whether a tarp would be placed along the fence to block out vehicle lights. Kendrick says it would be considered. We are definitely looking to be good neighbors. So yeah. if that's a concern with, with anybody, then I don't think adding that expense to a fence would be that drastic of a change. The second stipulation entails installing downcast lighting in order to prevent bright lights from shining into Abraham's property. Abraham also questioned whether the county would provide financial compensation for a potential loss of value for his property, which is in the process of being sold. The potential is the value of my property may be lowered uh, because of this, and it's in the process of being sold, and we haven't been showing it ever since that uh, got on the news about this potential uh, building site that which has in the fix of being built. However, County Zoning Administrator Barry Byers attributed the lack of interest in Abraham's property to a slow property sales market. I guess I can say personally with my wife being a real estate agent that things have slowed down in the market uh, because interest rates have gone up so I would probably tend to blame that up more on the market than I would on development on the neighboring property. Myers is expected to present an amended ordinance with the two stipulations to the supervisors for a second public hearing next Tuesday morning at 845. In other business, the board approved a resolution to upgrade a portion of 222nd Street near the entrance to the county farm from a level B to level A road. The supervisors also set a budget workshop for December 12th at 9.30 a.m. Mills County officials have someone in mind for the county attorney's position. They're just not telling who that is yet. No action was taken to the county's Board of Supervisors meeting Tuesday morning, but Supervisor Richard Crouch tells KMA News the board is expected to appoint an applicant for the position at next week's meeting. The individual selected would succeed Nada Elliott, who resigned last month, though she was the top vote-getter in the November general elections. We didn't have time to get a resolution put together for this week, so that was the main drawback as far as appointing someone this week. We just have to get everything in a row, and one of them is uh, have to do this by resolution and put everything in the resolution according to what we're proving to be 
for the county attorney coming in. While declining to divulge the next county attorney's name, Crouch acknowledged it's a local individual who would assume the office immediately. You know how the news travels in, in counties and through courthouses and stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's it's out the door before we ever leave the board meeting, so we kind of laugh about it, you know. Why keep it a secret when it's uh, traveling faster than we're talking, so. Last week, the supervisors commissioned the assistance of Pottawatomie County Attorney Matt Wilbur on an interim basis. One position officially filled Tuesday was the public health administrator's job as the supervisors formally approved the selection of Kiernan Scott to fill the vacancy left by Lori Ann Gentry's termination in September. Scott was selected from among four other applicants for the position. It was the changing of the guard of sorts at the Nebraska City City Council meeting Monday night. Two new commissioners took their seats in the council having been elected in last month's general elections. Cole Sharp succeeds Gloria Glover as the city's finance and treasury commissioner, while Joe Cheney replaces Vic Johns as roads and public projects commissioner. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Tuesday morning, Nebraska City Mayor Brian Beckett says both the new commissioners prepared for their positions following their elections. They've been at several, I would say over the last two or three months, most of the city council meetings to be up to speed on the issues as they're coming. The staff also prepared a book of things for the new commissioners. I sat down with each of them to make sure that they understood the process on uh, how we went through and how we run meetings, how we get to the agenda, all those type things. And uh, just paying attention is throughout the normal course of, of running for office. And they both did a great job of really paying attention. And once they knew they were coming in, they definitely started visiting City Hall and asking for documents and trying to get to know the budget, which is can be a bear and a bit intimidating. But I think they both did a great job in preparing. One of the new council's first big decisions was selecting a search firm for a new city administrator. By unanimous vote, the council selected GovHRUSA, one of four so-called headhunter companies proposed by outgoing city administrator Lou Leone, who recently accepted a similar position in Harvard, Illinois. Beckett says the company will assist the city in finding Leone's successor. What they'll do is they'll sit down with us and help us go through the position description, scope what we think as a council we're looking for in a city administrator. Some of the skills that we need, they'll be working, of course, with us being the one commission form of government here in Nebraska City. They'll get us to know us, get an idea of what we're looking for. They will put out advertisements and marketing, and then they'll go through the candidate list and kind of help screen them down and then uh, help us prepare for interviews. GovHR officials indicate the search should take 14 weeks. As with the previous vacancy, Beckett says city traffic engineer and construction manager Marty Stovall serves as the city's interim administrator. Clarinda school officials are reaching out to the public in the development of future building projects. That's why the school district is making a community survey available as part of its facilities initiative. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Monday morning, Clarinda School Superintendent Jeff Privia says the survey follows a recent study outlining building needs. Officials with SiteLogic, the district's consultants, and a 20-member facilities advisory team recently identified up to $60 million in facilities needs. Now, Privia says it's the public's turn to weigh in on the matter. The community survey that we have um, will tell us where the community's at. If we go to bond, we'll be collecting some demographics because we want to make sure we're communicating with all of the community demographically 
and we want to make sure we're putting out the correct information to our community. But to get this done, I'm going to need the community's help to have our facilities in top-notch shape and be a, a place of pride for Clorinda. Of the 15 questions listed on the survey, Privia says the majority will cover certain demographics. Are you in our school district? Do you have kids in the school? Do you go to the Clorinda Lutheran School and then come to the public school? So a a lot of demographic questions because we want to make sure we're hitting all those groups that we can work with and make sure we're getting them the correct information. Privius says staff members may access the survey through the district's information system. He adds it will be made readily available through various outlets. We're going to be printing over a thousand flyers that we're going to be putting up in businesses and putting up uh, tabletops at restaurants with a QR code on it so it can be scanned and they can take the survey that way. We'll also be putting out the URL, I would call it, for uh, that survey for those so they can take it on their phone or, you know, if they want to take a picture of that, they can put it in their computer and then take that survey at home. The survey is available at bit.ly backslash clorindacomsurvey22 or the district's website. Tis the season for bright Christmas decorations, not to mention tragedies if you're not careful. And at least one KMA Land fire official is warning about the potential fire risks posed by some Yuletide decorations. Red Oak Fire Chief John Bruce encourages residents to have a plan of where they intend to put a Christmas tree in their homes. He recommends keeping both an artificial or a live tree a reasonable distance from any heating source. So as Christmas trees are going up, um, even if you have a live one or artificial, they both can burn, you know, so basically making sure you keep them at least three feet away from heating sources if you have a, a space heater or whatnot. You know, candles or any open flame, obviously keep those three feet away from any of it or, or don't get them close to the tree. Bryce also urges those with a live tree to water it regularly. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.